fellow minor league nerds, and welcome to our second episode of Mostly Forgotten Teams, a series about minor league teams that you may have heard of, but probably haven't. This episode is about the Vernon Tigers, who played in the Pacific Coast League from 1909 to 1925. They were part of the first round of expansion of the PCL, along with the Sacramento Sacks. This brought the PCL back up to six teams from four, where it had been for the previous two seasons, after both the Fresno Raisin Eaters and Seattle Siwashes folded. They were effectively the second team in Los Angeles, after the Los Angeles Angels. Vernon, located a few miles south of downtown LA, was, and still is, a very small community in Los Angeles County. Its 2020 population was only 222. So how did such a small city get a team? The reason it was able to obtain a team was because it was one of only two wet cities in the county at the time. Fred Mayer, who had just inherited a large brewery, was awarded the franchise reportedly for a dollar and took full advantage of Vernon's unique status. The largest business in town at the time was Doyle's Bar. At 100 feet long, it promoted itself as the longest bar in the world and had 37 bartenders. In a row? Mayer built his 7,000-seat ballpark, aptly named Mayer Park, right next to Doyle's Bar. There was even said to be an entrance to the bar from left field, where some players would run in for a quick beer between innings. Mayer would die before the start of the 1910 season, and his brother Eddie would take over the team. Because people came to Mayer Park just as much to drink as to watch the game, there were a lot of reports of what was described as rowdyism. This led the PCL to convince Mayer to move the team, which he did for the 1913 and 1914 seasons. He chose to move them to Venice, California, because it was the only other wet city in the county at the time. During their time there, they were known as the Venice Tigers. In Venice, he built a new ballpark. On Sundays and special holidays, in which alcohol was not permitted to be sold, they would play their home games at Washington Park, home of the Angels, which seated 22,000. Their two years in Venice did not see them draw well. Due to their inability to draw in Venice, they ended up playing most games at Washington Park during this time. Eddie Mayer decided to move back to Vernon for the 1915 season, and took his newly constructed stadium with him, dismantling it and moving it section by section. Happy Hogan was the team's first manager, acting as a player manager from 1909 to 1915, when he died of pneumonia at the age of 37. He wasn't a great hitter. His lifetime average was 180, with a slugging percentage of 217. But he was excellent behind the dish, and had a scrappy, larger-than-life personality, and was a well-known figure in the early days of the PCL. He was the longest-serving player from the league's founding years, playing from 1903 to 1914. He was also an advocate of the controversial innovation of uniform numbers. During his tenure, some in the media referred to the team as Hogan's Tigers. The team would finish as runners-up in 1911, 1912, and once again in 1916. Due to wartime travel restrictions and the work-or-fight order, the 1918 season was cut short, ending on July 14th. When the season was suspended, the Tigers were in first place a game and a half over their local rivals, the Los Angeles Angels. The league decided to host a postseason series between the two teams to declare a champion. 
the Angels would go on to win the series five games to two. In early 1919, Meyer sold a controlling interest in the team to silent film star Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. Arbuckle apparently thought owning the team would be a lot of fun, not quite understanding how much work goes into running a professional baseball team. He would clown around in the stands, sometimes with his friends Buster Keaton and nephew and actor Al St. John, putting on his own show during games. It got to where he would travel with the team, performing in the stands at other PCL ballparks. Arbuckle would walk away from the team in October, citing that it was too much work, and kept him away from making movies. Arbuckle would retain manager Vinegar Bill Essick, who began managing the team in 1918, staying through their final season in 1925. The team would finally see a championship in 1919, as they topped their rivals, the Angels, by two and a half games. They would be led by third baseman and outfielder Bob Musil, who hit 337 with 38 doubles, 14 home runs, and a 504 slugging percentage. Musil would sign with the New York Yankees after that season, staying through 1929, and would be a member of the infamous 1927 Murderers Row team. Left fielder Hugh High hit 317, and Babe Borton would hit 303 with 15 doubles, 10 triples, and 14 homers. The pitching would be led by Weezer Dell, who finished with 25 wins in 50 appearances, with 351 innings pitched. Art Fromm went 20-7 with a 2.23 ERA. After that season concluded, the Tigers would defeat the St. Paul Saints of the American Association five games to four at Washington Park in the Little World Series, or as it was called that year, the Junior World Series. This was the only year in which a PCL team participated in the series. Every other year it was held, it was the American Association champion taking on the International League champion. The team's 1919 pennant would later be marred in scandal. In August of 1920, first baseman Babe Borton was caught trying to bribe an opposing pitcher to throw a game against the Tigers. As the investigation unfolded, it was discovered that he had also bribed several members of the Salt Lake Bees to throw games in 1919 to help the Tigers win the pennant. Borton would claim that bribes had been paid to players in Portland and Seattle as well, and that they were paid out of a pool of money funded by his teammates, and that his manager, Bill Essick, was the instigator. On Christmas Eve 1920, L.A. Superior Court Judge Frank R. Willis dismissed all charges, ruling that, no matter how reprehensible the actions of the players were, the charges couldn't go to trial, as throwing baseball games was not a criminal act. Though Borton was cleared of legal charges, he, along with Salt Lake Bees players Hurl Maggart, Gene Dale, and Bill Rumiere, would be banned from playing in organized baseball. Rumiere's suspension, though, was lifted in 1928, and he was allowed to return to organized ball. The Tigers, though, were not shaken by the scandal, as they finished in first place for the third year in a row, this time five and a half games ahead of the Seattle Rainiers. Borton had been leading the team with a 326 average and 487 slugging percentage at the time of his release in August. Once again, Weezer Dell was a pitching force. That would be the Tigers' last championship. In 1921, they would begin a downfall that was caused mostly by circumstances beyond their control. The 18th Amendment, which was ratified on January 16, 1919, went into force on January 17, 1920, and criminalized the production and sale of alcohol throughout the United States. This is when Vernon's tiny population became a liability. 
With alcohol consumption no longer an option, fewer people were willing to come in to watch a game. Fatty Arbuckle, who found ownership to be much more work than he anticipated, sold his interest in the team in late 1920. Without Arbuckle's involvement with the team, members of Hollywood had less interest in attending games. Along with the attendance drop, the caliber of play did so as well. Starting in 1926, the team would play in San Francisco. Once again, they were the second team in town, this time behind the San Francisco Seals. They would play as the Mission Bells for the first two seasons, and then the Mission Reds for the next ten. Most of their time in San Francisco was not a success, as they were unable to establish a fan base. Most people only showed up when the Seals were out of town. In 1929, though, they did win the first half title and finished with the best overall record, but fell to second-half champions, the Hollywood Stars, in the championship series, four games to three. In 1937, they would move back to Southern California to become the second incarnation of the Hollywood Stars, after the original Stars left to become the San Diego Padres following the 1935 season. They would see much better success in Hollywood, establishing a fierce rivalry with the Los Angeles Angels, and winning the PCL championship in 1949, 1952, and 1953. Like the Angels, the Stars were forced to relocate when the Dodgers came to town following the 1957 season. The team would ironically move to Salt Lake City to become the second incarnation of the Bees. The original Hollywood Stars had played as the Salt Lake Bees before moving to Los Angeles after the 1925 season. In Salt Lake, they would win one PCL title in 1959. After the 1965 season, they would move to Tacoma, Washington, where they would play as the Cubs, the Twins, the Yankees, the Tugs, and the Tigers. Until 1995, when they settled on the name we know them by today, the Rainiers. Well, my fellow minor league nerds, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Be sure to like and subscribe to be notified about new minor league nerd content. Until next time, thanks for nerding out with me. Thirty-seven? Can you believe they had thirty-seven bartenders? In a row?